1: Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode, are you ready? 99 of the podcast. That's right. We're almost to the 100 threshold. And hang on. We got something real special coming down the pipe for you next week. But uh, man, so glad you're here. Do you know the reality is that the vast majority of church leaders lead small churches? And nothing wrong with that. I think it's amazing. I've led a small church. I've led a larger church. I mean, everything starts small. And sometimes in your context, like that's sort of the story. It's just going to be, you know, not a 10,000 person church or a thousand person church. And I know that actually the majority of listeners to this podcast lead in that context. And that's why in everything we do, we try to make sure it's applicable across the boards. Uh, I know there's a lot of business leaders. There's some mega church leaders who listen and large church leaders and lots and lots of small church leaders. And today, my guests, Jeff Katie and Johnny Craig, some of you may know them from their 200 churches brand. I mean, they do a website, they do a podcast. I've been a guest on their podcast before. And they specialize in helping leaders of churches that have less than 200 people in attendance. And they do a fantastic job at what they do. And one of my commitments is to make sure that every church leader of every size gets equipped. So we have a fascinating conversation today. I think you're going to love it. And as usual... Um, even if you lead a larger thing, you're going to learn some stuff. I always learn stuff from whoever. I remember um, back on another episode when I interviewed Craig Rochelle, And I mean, he leads one of the largest churches in the United States. And one of my questions for Craig was simply, who are you learning from these days? I mean, when you lead a church that has like 90,000 people there on the weekend, you know, you don't have a lot of people who lead bigger things than you. And he says, I talk to a lot of young leaders who are leading small startups because I learn a lot. And I think if you always have that attitude as a leader, no matter what size of a venture you lead, you're always going to be learning. So I'm learning from these guys. I'm learning from many of you who are in the trenches, uh, leading small things, medium size, large, larger than what I'm leading. I'm learning from all of you. So I just want to say thank you so much. I think you're going to love uh, this week's episode. And speaking of episodes, hey, next week, We hit episode 100 and you need to be ready for it today because we're going to celebrate by giving some things away to you. It is actually, to celebrate our 100th episode, we're going to make it Leader Appreciation Week because I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. And so what I'm going to do every single day via my Facebook page, I am going to give away a free Starbucks card. I'm going to put a designated amount on a Starbucks card, post it to my Facebook page, and then if you happen to be near a Starbucks, guess what? You get coffee or whatever your favorite drink is for free. I did that with Instagram a little while ago to celebrate a million downloads, and we are well past that number now. But we just, as we hit 100, we thought, let's do it again, because we appreciate you. We know how hard you work, and we want to thank you, the listener, I do, for everything that you do. So um, to make sure you don't miss out, I'm going to share a secret with you because you know Facebook has this algorithm thing and it's like, oh yeah, what if I miss it? Like they kind of control my newsfeed. Well, not necessarily. Okay, first of all, if you don't follow me on Facebook, go ahead and do so. All you need to do, look for Carrie Newhoff. that's C-A-R-E-Y, N-I-E-U-W-H-O-F. It's so easy to spell. Um, and look for my author page. Okay, that has like 9 or 10,000 likes. So look for that one. You'll find it there. And from there, follow me. Okay, so what you can do is you can make sure that you see me first in your news feed. And that way, if you're at Starbucks and boom, that happens to be the time I upload it, then you're there and you win. Okay. So uh, you're not sure how to do that. Just go to the show notes. So go to kerryneuhoff.com episode 99. And uh, there's a little screencast that'll show you exactly how to make sure you never miss a thing because I post lots of content on there as well that hopefully can help you. But that's how you can make sure that you're first in line for this contest. So make sure that next Tuesday, I'll give you the specific date. Okay. That's August the 2nd until August the 8th All right. Every single day I'm giving away a designated amount of free Starbucks. So you get that through my Facebook page, Kerry Newhoff. Just go to the author page. You'll find it right there. And uh, hopefully you win. Also really want to thank everybody who sort of jumps over beyond the podcast to my blog and who reads it. Uh, Last year, over 2 million leaders... Uh, read some of the writings. I do a lot more than just do this podcast. I also blog and usually a couple of fresh posts on a regular basis. So last year, 2 million, over 2 million leaders uh, read the blog. And that's a real privilege to have. And if you haven't jumped over there, make sure you do it and join the growing list of people who subscribe to my blog via email. We've got new ways set up to make sure that you never miss a post. If you head on over to uh, you'll see a little sign up bar. Make sure you sign up for the weekly or the daily digest. That is brought to you by Enjoy Stewardship Solutions. They're gonna make sure that you never miss a post. And hey, if you haven't registered for the orange tour this fall, What's up with that? You need to get on that right now. And uh, they are bringing you this podcast this week. And uh, I'm going to have so much fun in different cities, starting out in Atlanta. Then I'm in California. I'm in places like Memphis this year. And we're going to be speaking to leaders. And I would love for you to get there. So just go to orangetour.org. Make sure you register. And in the meantime, here is my conversation with Jeff Katie and Johnny Craig. Excited to have Jeff Cady and Johnny Craig, who both serve at Dover Church. Jeff is the lead pastor, and Johnny, you work with uh, under-25s, right?
0: Yeah, well, I I do that and
1: everything else. And everything else. Bob Washer, Cook, the whole deal. Everything I do not want to do. Yeah, (laughs) that's basically it. And uh, you guys also started something called 200churches.com. You have your own podcast uh, on which I have been a guest, honored to be a guest on your podcast. I thought we had a good time. Let's have you back and uh, chat a little bit about it. And I'm excited about this because, like, the vast majority of people who listen to this podcast, just statistically, and then we have like large churches, mega church pastors who listen and that sort of stuff, but the vast majority lead churches of under uh, 200 attenders on a Sunday morning. That's just the way the church is. So, welcome, guys. Really glad to talk about that.
0: Well, thanks for having us. We're uh, we were excited when you said you know you'd have us back on after we had you on. We were excited, so this is a this is an honor, man. Thank you very much.
1: Uh, you guys are speaking into a really important space, and you're doing it with a bit of style and some flair too.
0: Well, we like to have fun. <laughs> I can
1: tell sure. you guys, you guys,
2: you guys spend most of your life razzing each other. Do you do any ministry? Well, see, I I do that with him. My shtick is to put him down, uh, berate him, demean him. <laughs> And I think listeners like that. Sure, they love We've it. We've only had one write in and say, "Hey, you pick on Johnny way too, too much."
1: Yeah. And that was Johnny who wrote in?
2: It, hey, I think it's mother. It was Mom. a pseudonym. It was a <laughs> it was a fake email
1: address. Okay. That's great. Well, welcome guys. You guys care a lot about small churches. So, tell me how you got passionate about that.
2: Well, we realized when starting a podcast, we said, "You know, what are we going to talk about?" And mm. it it it's, this has been three and a half years ago now, so it's hard for me to remember the details, but we began to look and we saw that there was Almost virtually non-existent was the content for pastors of small churches. You and I mean, Carl
1: Vaders—that's
2: about it. Right? Well, that's there's right. a, you know there's a lot of stuff out there for for pastors, right, and for ministry, but it's all done from a large church perspective, and it often is frustrating to small church pastors. It not so much frustrating; it's actually kind of tantalizing. You know, when we look mm-hmm. at it all, <laughs> um, but after a while, you get you get uh, uh, discouraged because it just seems like you know we're not you're not going to have a church of 10,000 people so we decided what if there were a podcast and a website that was for small church pastors by small church pastors right. that it was done well it was it was done uh with some like you said with some passion of course we inject our humor into it because yeah. i think when you know when you we laugh you, you, know. <laughs> everything is better with a little humor uh, right. at least my father taught me that so uh so yeah that's how we really got focused on small churches
1: that's great johnny what would you what would you say I You're just you to know, agree
2: with him because he's going to make fun of you. If you always, he's the boss. I, he, he can fire
0: me whenever he wants, uh, so I got to agree. I think it's a passion that um, I think that I personally I grew into. Mm-hmm. Like Jeff said, we we wanted to start a podcast, uh, kind of on a whim. I'm not going to say it as a joke, but it was certainly on a whim. And uh, Jeff had been listening to all these podcasts, and we were talking about it and saying, "What? Yeah, but what's the niche? Right? What's the area?" My wife. Yeah was in magazines for a long time. So she knows all about, you know, you got to find your niche and do that kind of stuff. And we, like Jeff said, we started looking around and seeing everything geared towards small churches is all about how to grow your church. There's not mm-hmm. en- enough encouragement or equipping for small church pastors where they are right now. It's all about getting to the next milestone. And so that's what we took on. And then, like you said, Carl Vader's, we run into Carl Vader's, uh, a friend of ours named Dave Jacobs, um, a guy in Australia named John Finkeldy, And we start talking to all these other people who are also really passionate about small churches. And over time, I started getting passionate about small churches. Yeah. It went from like, hey, let's do this hobby. It'll be kind of fun, maybe encouraging. You know, we had six downloads, our first episode, probably. Yeah. <laughs> into something that we're really passionate about. And we get so many positive emails and messages from people saying, thank you so much for this. This fills such a void. So it, it's a passion that I think I stumbled into in some
1: ways. Well, Carl Vaders was a guest on my podcast, episode 30. We'll link to that in the show notes. And we'll link to all the other uh, leaders that you talked to in the show, show notes as well. Because, I mean, this is, I don't know what stat you guys use. I always say about, from this is what I understand, about 90% of the churches in the West are 200 people or less. Is that
2: yeah. That right? yeah. That might be a little high, but but absolutely eighty yeah. percent, eight out of ten are going to be two hundred and under, and and Carrie, another thing that really made us passionate is when we consider how much ministry goes on in small churches every week mm-hmm. across America. I, I mean, people get you know people get involved in in life crises. Uh, people get involved in horrible situations where small churches are there to help them and small church pastors are there at their house or they're at the hospital or or they uh, during a, a, a catastrophe or some tragedy where needs need to be met and resources need to be given and small churches are there and we we see small church pastors who just are not satisfied with their churches mm-hmm. and and that's really that's that's terrible they should be satisfied with their churches they should be uh, you know thrilled to be the pastor of a congregation and find their fulfillment and satisfaction in that and as we saw pastors not being satisfied, we just said, yeah, we need to speak into this.
1: Okay, that's really interesting because you've already raised sort of the, the big issue, and Carl and I have talked about this, and he writes about it every week, right? On on his yeah, blog, I think every day yeah. today, every day, every day. Yeah, it so. seems like it. Yeah. yeah, I follow him too. Um, but you know, and I write an awful lot about growth. So here's here's sort of this isn't in the questions I sent you, and so I hope I'm not putting you on the spot. But like when I when I look at my blog stats, you know, my my understanding before I started blogging was that uh, the whole church growth movement was dead, right? Like that was very 90s, and then people started talking about church health, and now they're talking about different things. But when I write about church growth, those are the most read blog posts that I write. And, you know, I I self-disclosed, I have a bias toward growth. I just do. And I started in very small churches. So, I mean, you know, the territory that you guys are in at your church, I mean, I remember like yesterday when there's six people at your church, you know, you can't pretend that you're part of a large church or that one day 10,000 people (laughs) will will be coming to, you know, to your church. And so I remember those days very, very clearly. And it was for four or five, well, actually probably about five years that our church was under 200. And I mean, I ran it out of my basement on in a corner, unfinished basement, you know, on a carpet with an Ikea desk, literally. (laughs) That's how I ran the church. And you have no money and no people, and we saw some growth and everything. But like, um, so I come, I come by it very honest. Where do you think the tension is in terms of the debate about growth versus size? Where, where does that show up in the life of a small church pastor? Because I agree, not everybody's going to have a church of a thousand or ten thousand or a hundred thousand.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I've I've read a lot of your blogs on church growth, and um, and the way you write is very much like growth. You're you're talking about healthy growth. You're talking about good growth. You're talking about growth that's coming because people are coming to know Jesus, and your church is going to grow because people are
1: coming to know Jesus. I hope so that's what I, hope yeah, my heart is. I mean, there's yeah. a selfish part of me too. You know, everybody, well, we, all
0: of us, yeah, we
1: love, we love our. You know, I love it when there's a million downloads, not a thousand downloads. I love sure. it when yeah. you know we hit a record Sunday. There's something very. Uh, there can be something negatively intoxicating about that, but there can sure. also be something fundamentally healthy about that. Sure. Okay, so, so, yeah, I agree. I just wanted to nuance it. I'm not a saint. I make mistakes. And <laughs> my, my motive isn't always pure, but that's where I want to be. That's where I'm, what I'm striving for, is, yeah. is that growth is a byproduct of health and accomplishing your mission.
0: I, you know, I might think of, of church growth almost like my wife and I were just having a conversation about. Um, she, she was looking at a dermatologist on Instagram and okay. saying, There's this new stuff you can inject in your face and it takes away your double chin. Uh, incredible, right? Like, this is a thing you can
1: do. She's <laughs> Jeff, like, so do, you she, have, do you have any samples? I'm not looking at you, Jeff. <laughs> he looked at you with, with some really interesting expressions there, Jeff.
0: So she said, You know, you get this, you get Botox, then you go get professional air, you know, airbrushed on makeup, right, for a, yeah. for a magazine shoot. Then you get done and they Photoshop the cover. So you've been the best cameras, the best lighting, the best makeup, the best dermatology. And then on top of it, they Photoshop it. Then they sell it. And then they say, well, look, women, this is what you should look like, right? I mean, this is what <laughs> yeah. magazines do. So true. when pastors want to grow, like women want to look like other women in magazines, That's bad, right? That's just this aspirational, I want a big church. Look, Carrie, I'd love to preach to 1,000, 2,000, 10,000 people. I got ego to spare. like I can't (laughs) handle that. Um, (laughs) But do I want it for the right reasons, and will I go about it the right ways to get it? So what we focus on is not church growth. You can find that great church growth content at your site and other places. We're focusing on church health because if you don't have a healthy church, Then you're not going to have a good growing church. You might get some some growth, but what kind of growth is it? You know, cancer grows. I think that's something Carl says, right? Yeah. So you can have growth. (laughs) It's not necessarily a good thing. So what we focus on is health and encouragement. Because if we have pastors who are down in the dumps because their church isn't growing, it's not going to grow. If we have Mm -hmm. pastors who are leading unhealthy organizations. It's not gonna grow, and so that's we're focused on that kind of stuff. And if growth happens, we're not ever gonna say, "No, don't let your church grow. You better pump the brakes on that." But we would say, "Let's get you in shape so that
2: if growth happens, you have you're you're equipped to deal with it." And I think also, Carrie, there's the whole issue of kingdom potential. Yeah, you know, there's different size communities, different numbers of church. I mean, there's so many variables. That when uh, and I I love the purpose driven church book. I, mm-hmm. I think I heard you. I Nobody you loves it. that
1: book more than you. Uh,
2: <laughs> I do love it. I read it like it came out year two in ministry yeah. for me. Yeah, and I remember uh, the first edition that came out, and um, that you know I, I loved loved. But when whenever you do something like that, I think the caveat's got to be every church is different. Right? Right. Every mm-hmm. pastor is different. So in in neighborhoods, there may be already 15 churches. In our town, we have 7,000 people, and we have 15 churches in our town. So if we're going to really grow, we're going to end up taking from some of these other churches. And if we were going to go after all of those who don't attend a church, we're going to grow to a certain – and then after that, we're not going to grow anymore because there just aren't that many people in our area to grow by, we have thirty-three thousand in our county, and we have about uh, six to ten miles in between towns in our county. There's going to be so, fifty churches in uh, county. Oh, a lot more than that. Yeah, a lot. There's fifteen just in our town, and so kingdom potential has a, a, a lot to do with it, and yet we never hear that talked about very much. You know what? For instance, you look to be a guy. I think you're. Are you like you're tall? Right. You're six, I'm six four, 6'2". Two, two. Okay, you're six yeah. two. There you go. You know, it'd be better if you were six four, Carrie. <laughs> but know. you know, I, unless two, I'm on okay. an airplane, then I wish I, I was five one. Amen to that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's the comparison trap. Yeah. We know as pastors, and we 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 teach this in conferences. Don't compare yourself to other pastors. Yeah. We even say. Don't compare your church to other churches, but when we set up this this idea that we're supposed to be a certain size, then we're comparing as though uh, as though every pastor should be six foot two because that's premium. You know that's primo yeah. right there. That's the ideal. Dover has and two pastors. Yeah, with six we're two. both six two. Come on, wow! So, I mean, the three of us, we've got it going on. But these <laughs> five foot six guys, you know, they've got a little bit of a problem. They got to put the little pedestal behind their pulpit. Oh, you're gonna you get know. some mail now. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but but see what I'm mm. my point. I know what you mean. No, yeah, that's you, a really
1: good point. Do you Jeff. get my
2: point? Is that I totally get your point. Potential.
1: And there's there's a sense. I wonder if the unspoken tension is that. If you're small, you're failing, right? Sure. Yeah. Now, yeah. I think sometimes that's just just to be honest. I think sometimes that's true, but just because you're small doesn't mean you're failing, and just because you're large doesn't mean you're actually succeeding. Right. You can you can you can create a large church uh, under all kinds of bad pretenses, but you hear it the other too. I mean, if you lead a larger church, I mean. You know our church isn't gigantic, but it's like twelve hundred is sort of the average attendance this week in two or this year in two locations. Plus, we have our online thing, and like people, people can be very suspicious. They can say, "Well, where have you sold out? Are you actually preaching the gospel?" Right. I mean, it's just human nature, right? It's that whole, and I think the height analogy is really, really good. It's that comparison trap. That's one of my all-time favorite Andy Stanley series is Comparison Trap, where Mm. he talks about. Uh, I think it's one of his bottom lines. I'm going to mangle this. Sorry, Andy, if you're listening. Is, is this? It's, uh, it's give thanks for what God has given others. Leverage what God has given you. And I think that's yeah. so yeah. true. Yeah. Rather than going, well, why, you know, why is that guy? Why has he got a large church? Or why did it happen to him? Give thanks for what God has given to others. Leverage what he has given you. So he gave me eight, pe- you know, six people. I preached it down to two, you know. And how do I leverage <laughs> that? How do I leverage that? How do I leverage... That? You know, we had old buildings the whole day. How do we leverage that so we can accomplish our mission together? Uh, th- that was tremendously freeing. When when Andy preached that, I think Sandra, his wife, has, has uh, turned that into a book. Some of those ideas into a book, The Comparison Trap. Link again to that in the show notes. Like, that was liberating for me because jealousy is a horrible emotion, and it just twists so much.
0: Yeah, for yeah. sure.
1: Okay. Well, uh, let me ask you, you guys talk to a lot of small church leaders, you're networked, you hear from them online, you meet them in person. I mean, as as do I to a large extent, but I want to know what you think, because this is your focus. What are some common struggles you hear about again and again with small church pastors?
0: You know, I think one of the things is what we've talked about, which is they they need encouragement, it, it, a lot of small church pastors, and you know, is it is it their fault for seeking out the kind of content they're seeking out, or is it the fault of others for putting expectations on? It? I don't know, but they're beat down, mm-hmm. and they are feeling like I'm small, I'm failing, and you know, we talk to guys. Who have said you're you know we named it two hundred churches because our church is about two hundred people, so it's for churches of about two hundred people, give or take you know a hundred or two <laughs> that's kind yeah, of the idea yeah, yeah, sure. and uh, we've had people scientific. who say two hundred churches, what about you know twenty five churches that's what I have yeah. or what about fifty churches and they feel very discouraged. Um, about where they're at as a church. And that's why so much of what we do is just about encouraging. It's just about saying, no, you can do good work. And we never celebrate smallness. We never say small is good for the sake of small. We say you need to be the healthiest church you can be, irregardless of size, right? Like mm. you need to be the best church. You can be the best pastor no matter what. So just encouragement, I think, is a big one. Jeff, I love what, that.
2: I love that yeah. approach. Yeah, and, and it's, we call it growth guilt, You know, we're not growing, so we feel guilty. But there's also the issue of small church pastors deal with loneliness, a lot of loneliness, especially if they're a solo pastor and especially if there's literally no other staff. And so because many of them are in, uh, remote places, they deal with mm-hmm. isolation mm-hmm. You know, they're just they're isolated from people, from resources, from, you know, conferences, uh, because they're a small church, they may not have a large enough budget to send them somewhere. Yes. And, uh, so Very they deal true. with that. And, and then beyond that, they deal with, uh, the whole challenge of recruiting and equipping and managing volunteers. Mm. Um, you know, they, they are the volunteer in their church and, Right. And every everybody else is the volunteer, you know, receiving the services of the volunteer. And so the, the, those are the things that we see small church pastors dealing
1: with. I can see that, you know, even in some of the conferences I've run or helped with, you know, sometimes it's a good gut reality check to the speakers. It's like, you know, when you say staff, just remember, seven or eight out of 10 leaders here are like, no, I'm the staff. When you right. say social media team, it's like, <laughs> I'm the social media team. When you say yeah hey, you know, in your travel budget, it's like, no, my travel budget is also my personal grocery budget. So
2: <laughs> yeah, right?
1: Right. exactly. Yeah. it's like, it's good to remember that. And I do. I mean, when I made the least amount of money in ministry, which was in those first few years, and obviously as your church grows, you know, and you get a little bit older, you can do a little bit better. But like, we had no money for staff development or anything that literally was okay, how are we going to cut back on our grocery budget? Um, maybe we should hold off on the new car because I want to buy a commentary, right? Right? Like, like like it's that level of struggle and it's just easy to forget. I never want to forget. Not that, you know, I have to pay attention to money still today. Um, But when you have a church with a large budget and a good church, it's just, it's just different. You have line items for that. Most churches under 200 don't.
0: Yeah, yep. I mean, even us, I I feel blessed all the time that, I mean, we get to work together in a church of 200 people. There's a lot of pastors who barely make full time by themselves in a church of 200. Yeah. You know, we just have a white collar community and, uh, a, you know, we live in a community that's fairly affluent and it works out for our church. Um, But that's right. not the case for most pastors of churches this size.
1: No, that's very, very true. And, and a growing trend, do you see this in bivocational pastors?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you hear from yeah, a lot of them. We we do, and we've just had uh, a couple on recently uh, that are bivocational pastors, and it's you know, and we need to hear from them because we're not bivocational, right? That's not the first thing that we think about. Uh, but more and more, you know, we're seeing, and who knows, you know, the way the culture's going and the way the trends are going. Uh, that you can take a turn in the river real quick, and all of a sudden you're going to have a, a whole group of churches pop up that have bivocational leadership. Yeah. And, and churches that even may get to the point where they do have the resources to pay a full-time pastor, but they'd rather put those resources either into community, community development or into missions work and keep the staff lean and mean and decide to use their money for things other than staff staffing and other than building and i think we see that the millennial uh, generation is thinking a lot more about service and giving and making a difference in the world than they are thinking about building buildings and developing bit large staff teams
1: so you got a couple of episodes of your podcast can can i link to those in our show notes because yeah. i hear from by vocational pastors all the time who are like hey we need more on that so we'll just we'll just link to those episodes yep. in the show notes yep, sure. we'll yeah we'll do that okay Great. We can do that. Okay. those are that's a, that's a good survey of issues. What is your theory? I have one, uh, but but this is your time. Uh, what is your theory on why most churches never break 200 in attendance?
2: Uh, Jeff is looking at me. Yeah. Well, I, let, let me jump in on that then right at the beginning. I think simply because their kingdom potential is less than 200.
1: Oh, you mean like that's it? Like when you do
2: a yeah. really good job, you're just
1: not going to reach more than 200 people.
2: Yeah, in other words there's there's small churches that you know dotting these small towns all across America and they're never really going to get over 200. Our church has been 200 for the 13 years that I've been here. It hasn't been the same 200. Uh, It's been different. But the (laughs) impact, yeah, that is true. (laughs) We've had some leave and some come. But the the impact, though, of our being on the corner and the people that gather as Dover Church, the impact we've made. In the last 10 years, we've given well over a million dollars to Missions. And wow. when, when, just think about what that has accomplished for the kingdom. So, you know, if I tell you my church is 200 people, that really tells you absolutely nothing about my church. Mm-hmm. But when I say, here are the things that we're involved in in the community, here are the things that we're involved in globally, here are the ways that we are equipping uh, interns that we get from the local college, and here are uh, here's a list of all of the college students that we've worked with over the last 10 years. We've equipped them, we've built into their lives, we've Help to mature and grow them and we've sent them out and here are the countries around the world where these students are serving uh whether or not it's in ministry or if it's in business they're they're kingdom people and they're they're serving christ uh all. when when we talk about those kinds of things then it really doesn't matter how many people show up on a sunday morning right. which is a really bad that's get, getting to be and you know this a worse and worse representation of what your church is about yeah. uh you know, that Sunday morning attendance. Yeah. Sunday
1: morning attendance is not the indicator of reach and impact that
2: right. it once was. Right, no. Agree. So so reach and impact are important. But but why do most churches not, well, 80% of the churches in the world are less than 200 people. So there must be a pretty good reason for it, other than the the answer that they're all failures. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, okay, so, so yeah.
1: kingdom potential.
0: That's good. I, you know, I think there's a lot there's a lot that goes into it and, uh, Carl, and I, Carl Vader's, you had him on and we've had him on a bunch of times. And his story I think is very indicative of the truth for a lot of small church pastors. Cause Carl says, I had a small church, about 200 people and I wanted it to grow. So, we moved out of our sanctuary and into a church and into a school gym so we could have more people. We optimized all of our ministries so that everything was humming on all cylinders. We did these things and these things and these things. He was like, I went to the conferences. I read the books. I read the blogs. I did it all. I put it all into action. And we shrunk at first and people left. They obviously weren't happy about the direction. They were wondering why we have a church building, but we're not even worshiping in it. Things like that. He's like, and then we grew. And he got up to 450, 500 people. He blew past the 200 barrier. And then he said he was completely miserable. Yeah. He was He hated his life. (laughs) It was like, he felt completely burned out. He didn't want to be a pastor anymore. He was sick of it. He was done. And I think that's, that's really the truth is we're not, I'm not equipped to do the types of things that Bill Hybels does. I mean, he just has so many skills that I don't have. Uh, and so much, um, you know, that, that type a drive stuff that I don't have and we're just different people. And so could I work outside of myself and try to do all this administrative stuff that I would need to do and become a rancher, not a shepherd, or you know, however Rick Warren says it, and do all the church growth strategies? Could we do some of that and maybe see some success? Probably. probably I mean, probably. Amen. The,
2: Amen, Johnny. Now let's. I'm going to be expecting a little bit more of that. Cu- out of you. I would
0: quit my job. I would be completely <laughs> miserable doing that. And so, that, you know, I think the the kingdom of god needs big churches, mega churches and needs small churches, you know, on the ground churches, it needs healthy churches. And I don't want to keep banging that drum, but yeah. I'm not, you know, you're a higher capacity leader than I'll ever hope to be Carrie, and that's great. And I do want to applaud and thank God for your skills yeah. that I don't necessarily have, you know, but what I do, I I hope that I do well and I want to continue to refine those strengths so that I can be the best pastor. But my church probably never, unless I can hire some great administrative staff down the line somewhere. Yeah. I can't imagine my church, you
1: know, getting too big. But like it, maximizing, I, I think there's a good point. There is a gifting, and you know, I've I've got numerous theories. So let me let me test a couple of things out on you. Like one of the one of the things is um, shepherd types versus entrepreneur types. I think sure. if you really enjoy the visitation, if you really enjoy the pastoral care, and I don't, in particular, but there are people who really do. I would rather be in a meeting than in, at a hospital bed. I would rather sure. be writing something than you know going to some family function of where would Je- where would church.
2: Jesus rather be, Carrie? Oh yeah. Where we'll would Jesus rather be?
1: Probably not where I am, to be honest <laughs> with you, Jeff. <laughs> A pretty boring life. Yeah, it's a great question, and yet he he spoke to thousands, and ultimately has changed the lives of hundreds of millions, billions of people. And so it's it's a really interesting question. And and I think you're right when you look at the body of Christ. I mean, I'm not the leader of an Andy Stanley. I'm not the you know I haven't got the caliber the the size of many people that I really admire in leadership, Um, but. You know, I I want to focus on what God has given me the ability to do. Yeah. But let, let, let's go to pastoral care for a moment. You know, do you do you think that um, pastoral care can sometimes be a reason why a church wouldn't scale? And I'm speaking pr- primarily to the people who would want their church to grow at this point. Who would say, yeah, we we maybe we haven't reached. Our. I love that kingdom potential, right? So. Maybe we're fifty people, but we would love to reach a hundred people in our community, or hundred and fifty people in our community. Um, what What are some of the things that stop leaders of smaller
2: churches from reaching their kingdom potential? See, you talk about pastoral care, and that would be more my bent, right? Okay. I'm not as much a the administrator. I I'm more like Jesus, you know, oh, in, in that way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the humility, I can't. Well, uh, the humility of I, I, I Christ can't is help what but you carry. see. Yeah, <laughs> no. No, but see, but I've heard you talk about this, and, and yeah. you don't want to counsel people. And mm-hmm. I'm not really a great counselor. I'm a good listener, and I'm and I'm empathetic and all that. Uh, but I want to send them to a counselor. And you've been very honest about your abilities, your strengths and weaknesses. And I think that as pastors, can be honest about it. You can, have, uh, you can have pastors that, that give off the administrative and maybe even the visioning leadership to, uh, to gifted people in their church without giving away their pastoral leadership. Sure. Uh, you know, we're doing that right now with uh, a guy on our board who is uh, he, this is a guy that leads uh, companies multi-million dollar situations and he's on our board and he loves our church and he loves our community uh, and he lives in a fairly small house you know and, but he's got a lot he's got a lot of gifts and so we've tried to leverage those gifts in our church he leads our board meetings I don't lead them because I want everybody to be happy and yeah. I want everybody Get along and and uh but I'm like the only one on our board it has worked better
0: since he started that, leading, yeah, hasn't
2: it, <laughs> there's more accomplished see, so I lead the staff and I lead our ministry volunteers and he leads our elders and he leads our board yeah uh, and we have different gifts so. When we're, ser- when we're like what Johnny said, being somebody that we're not, when mm. we're serving in areas that it's just not us and we're allowing another leader like uh, and, and they're not doing it to us, we're letting them do it. If we're listening to a Rick Warren and expecting ourselves to be like him right. or if I listen to you, I joke with Johnny, I've got a nickname for you, Carrie. Should oh. I tell him what it is? Well, you have to yeah. now. Johnny's making a face. Probably he always not. gets nervous. <laughs> no, and I've ca- I think I called you this when we had you on the on the on our podcast, Mr. Smooth. Oh. I mean, <laughs> you are your voice is like perfect. It's perfect <laughs> oh, yeah. for broadcasting. But then yeah. I listen
1: to Alec Baldwin.
2: Here's the thing. Oh, and I'm yeah. like,
1: oh, come on,
2: that's Alec- the voice. Oh, that's, that's true. That's the voice. That's the true. voice. <laughs> that's the yeah. voice. Yeah. So, but Thank but you. I don't expect myself to to be like you, care about. But I got to be like me. Sure. Yeah. And I think. And I that's think it. So I think when churches and church leaders are not true to themselves, they're limiting their potential. But also, I don't know what you're getting at, when they're not wise about who they are, what they can do and can't do, and when they're not wise about sharing the load with people who are gifted, then that is going to stunt the potential of their church. And ultimately— all of our churches could be bigger, right? I mean ultimately sure. yeah. all of our churches uh, are limited by the limiting people in them. But that's nothing new. That's kind of been around since Genesis three. Yeah. Right? So yeah. it's just reality.
1: I think I think that's a really good point. What about I don't know what to call it, but like the everything syndrome where I, I found when our church was little, I I knew everything. Um well, I thought I knew everything, but you know, you kinda <laughs> You kind of track with everything in your church and you're on every team or every committee and you're at every event. And of course, that just doesn't scale. Um, so, and and it can lead to burnout. I was more tired and had less free time when our church was small than yeah. I do now when it's, you know, much larger church. So uh, do you th- see that as a problem that small church pastors struggle with? And then what, what's your advice to pastors who are like, I just there's no more hours in the day. I just can't possibly do more.
0: Yeah, well, we've had you know Dan Ryland um, on the oh, podcast yeah. a number of times, and he, he did a podcast with us called "Which Ministries Need the Wood Chipper." I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that was the name of the podcast. Like, oh my that's goodness, great. Dan! Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Don't link hold that. back. We'll yeah. That. Uh, so that that was really fun. But we would we talk. What I would say is and you brought up fifty and a hundred, and this is going to get to the question you just asked. Mm. I think. To lead a church of 50 and to lead a church of 100 is not so different. You're still within that under 200 range. And we know that 200 churches, the 200 barriers, that's it's pretty real because it takes like an administrative leap, I think, to go above that. I agree. 50 to 100. I think if somebody listened to our... Podcast, this is going to sound arrogant. I hope it's not. Listen to our podcast and really put into practice the things we talk about how to change things uh, well, how to talk to people, how to have meetings before meetings, how to work things through You know the proper you know, um, channels. Wait a minute. Like if that.
2: we would just listen to That's our what own we podcast, we could grow.
0: <laughs> so I think <laughs> <That's> if somebody <laughs> did that, they could go 50 to 100, really no problem. I think right. they'd be in a healthier place than they'd ever been before, and 50 to 100 would be no problem. Um, but I think for a pastor who's in everything, they need to learn how to trust their people. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's a huge thing. And there's some pastors who are listening right now and saying, yeah, but I don't have people like I have to do those ministries. And we've talked about that on a podcast too, where we just say, well, then you know what? You need to decide which ministries aren't important. And if somebody cries foul, You just found maybe your new ministry leader, right? I mean, if they're that important, then somebody will step up and do them. If you're a pastor and you're doing every ministry, you're involved on every team, you need to start either cutting or stepping back. And if people balk, then that's time to have those hard conversations of, well, I need somebody to pick up the slack on these ministries and get stuff done.
1: Jeff, you touched on something, in, and you just said it as an aside, but I thought it was kind of interesting. You said when it came to leading your board, you love to please everybody. You like to make everybody happy. Is that a profile you see a lot in church leaders? I mean, I think at my heart, I'm a, a people pleaser, but I had to get over it. I mean, you just, you just can't please people. Is that a profile you see regularly? And what advice do you give to pastors who are people pleasers?
2: Yeah, I think there's this cultural image of the pastor who is who is at the home when the trouble comes, who is at the hospital, and he is very caring and very loving. And so when you get an entrepreneurial style pastor, then there are going to be those people in the church who hold that traditional uh, image in their minds that look at that guy and say, well, he's a leader, but he's not a pastor. And uh, uh, that's, but but he's a leader who's going to help, Pastoral people get something done too, and if if you're always trying to please people, I mean, self awareness is a great thing. And uh, ten years ago, I didn't even know what self awareness meant. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever heard the phrase, but I think to maybe you need to take a personality test or take a gifts test or or do some kind of an assessment. I think self assessments and there's a ton of them online. Uh, from, uh, well, there's a, just a ton of them online. There's yeah. probably scores, if not hundreds of them. Well, you took the disc. Dude, that was helpful for we, you. We did a disc. I've done Myers-Briggs. There's uh, one that I did now. I, I did it through Franklin Covey coaching 10 years ago. Uh, I don't remember the name of it, but self-assessments help you to look in the mirror and just be honest and say, okay, These are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. Mm -hmm. They also tell you that uh, this is how you will react in these certain situations. And if you find out that you're somebody who always wants to please others, uh, you're never going to get the job done. And you're never going to please God because you're too busy trying to please others. Mm -hmm. And the only way that you can fix that is to recognize it, uh, to uh, basically, you know, do – Basically dissect that in yourself and say, sure. this is how I am. This is why I'm like this. Okay, now, knowing that I'm forearmed, knowing that I can step into situations and, and, uh, and not do it. But most of us just, we just are who we are and we do what we do without really knowing why we do what we do or understanding it. And I think that self-awareness is so important in order to change. Has that
1: self-awareness helped you? Like what, oh. what
2: difference has it made in
1: in your ministry and, yeah. and, and life as a leader, Jeff?
2: Well, it's helped a lot. On our board, we did a lot of these assessments and the guy that's leading our board right now has helped us with this. So I'm aware more of myself, but I'm also more aware of the leaders on my team. I know what makes them tick. I know why they don't respond to certain things and why they do respond or react to other things. And now there's, le- there's fewer misunderstandings. There's fewer unmet expectations because I don't have those expectations on this board member anymore because hmm. I know he's not wired like that. Um, and, and most of them, almost, well, all of them are not wired like I am. And so in some ways, I'm the only guy on in, in the room who cares to the level that I care. Hmm. And so I've had to just realize, you know, I don't really need to care that much. Jeff
0: wants us to hold hands and sing Kumbaya. I Nobody mean, else cares. I mean, you know.
2: <laughs> Nobody else cares. But, but knowing that has really, really helped me. Uh, I, I, so I don't have to. Yeah, I literally I don't have to care the way that I care, I need to be more concerned with clarity, communication, meetings before the meeting. uh, And then, and then communicating with our, the guys on our board, the way they need to be communicated with, not the way I would want to be communicated with.
1: So that, that's tremendously helpful. So let me ask you one more question. Has that has that been easy for you? Like, do you feel like your church is better and you're better as a leader or sometimes that learned behavior can be very draining? What's, what's your experience of that been?
2: It wasn't easy. My church is better and I'm better as a leader and it's, it's extremely draining. <laughs> it's uh yeah, it was, it, it's been very difficult for me, yeah. but I'm willing. Uh, I'm walking into it with open hands and open eyes and i want to change and grow so all those things are very helpful. I'll leave no, you know, thought that it's an easy process. Well, I, I admire so.
1: that. Let me just say good on you for like having the awareness to look through it. And it's not that, you know, okay, all shepherds need to do this or whatever, but like a huge part of my journey over the last 20 years as a leader has been getting some self-awareness because you know, my weaknesses are just different than yours. You know, I can trot over people. I can, I can be too blunt in meetings. I can, um, you know, because empathy is very low on my natural gift set, I've got to develop an ability to appreciate other people's worldviews, which I've really worked at. And I agree, it's hard to, to start, but for me, it's been very rewarding. But every once in a while, I walk into a situation, it's like, okay, put on your learned behavior, because your natural instincts are going to work against the mission and work against other people and work against you. So kudos
2: to you, man. That's growth as a leader. Johnny, go ahead, So, Yeah, you and I are a little bit opposite, because the thing I'm most likely to overuse is kindness. Wow. (laughs) That's bad, isn't it? That's terrible.
1: That doesn't well, get anything done. If it's if it's if it's genuine, right? But there's a kindness that that is not healthy. There's a kindness that you know what the truth is, but you ducked it. And uh, sometimes I know what the truth is, and I Ouch. drove a bulldozer through it.
2: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no, you hit? you're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, I'm genuine, but sometimes I'm genuinely wrong. You know, yeah, I that's yeah. Really this true. is now is not the time for <laughs> kindness. Now the time now it's time for. I need, I need to be direct.
1: I have a theory about change that one of the reasons it's been so easy for me as a leader, relatively speaking, I mean, we all have our little like, you know, moments, but uh, why it's been relatively easy to lead change over two decades is because uh, my natural mercy gift is fairly low. So I honestly do not feel the tension in the room. And now I have people around me who tell me, oh, did you see that person was upset? I'm like, that's What funny. They were upset. Are you kidding nope. me? And like, I miss it. I miss it. And so it's really easy for me to take people where they don't want to go because I didn't know they didn't want to go there. And most people follow and I'm a law of averages person. Hey, if we can get three quarters of people on board, that's great. We'll go reach some more. And, you know, like... And so I think that that's a, that's a change profile that works. Whereas if you feel every nuance and, you know, we have team members who read body language well, uh, you know, it's I can terrible, tell someone's someone fell asleep, um, I can tell that, <laughs> oh, I don't think they're interested anymore. But, you know, so it's, it's you're right. It's different gift sets for different people. So hats off to you. That's awesome. Johnny, how about you? What would have been some growth points for you as a leader uh, in all this? I think a, So there's
0: this, there's the testing part that we've talked about, but I, you know, I got into ministry four years ago and last, last year, our church has an annual meeting. Uh, We cover all the business for the year and, and uh, some things that led up to that where I had had some missteps and I know me making missteps is hard to believe, but I had (laughs) had some missteps and done some things that people didn't appreciate for various reasons. And, And I stood up and I said, you know, I'm three and a half years in at that point. And before this, I worked at a bank. I mean, I counted money. That's what I did. And before that, I helped people with their, you know, mortgage documents. Like this is it. This is ground zero for my ministry <laughs> life. And I don't know ever, you know, I don't know everything. I barely know anything, and I'm ch- trying to muddle through. And I just kind of apologized for for hurting people along the way. Um, and you know the truth of the our church is people have been very generous and very patient with me. The, some people haven't and they've left and that's been okay. Um, but for the most part, the elders and the leadership has been very supportive. So for me, the growth over the past four years, a lot has just been having a mentor mm-hmm. in Jeff. To he he's helped to he's like a restrictor plate on a NASCAR. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. Not really, but I'm just nodding my
1: head. Yeah,
0: You're Canadian. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. He prevents me from going as fast as I want to go, but in a good way. Uh, in a good way. I'm That's kind great. of a hard charger, and I will, I'll kind of run through people. I can tell how they feel. I just don't care, and so I'll just plow through them anyway. Uh, so it makes me worse than you, Carrie. actually. <laughs> well, well, that was a younger me. That was a younger me for sure. sure. Yeah. So he's been great at having a mentor. And I think what he said about the the testing that he did... It's it's not just that we did all these tests as elders. It's that somebody came in and walked us through what that meant and how that helped us work with each other. And that person is on the board. And they're there every single month at these meetings, talking us through every single moment, saying, hey, your reaction right now, how is it because of how you're wired versus how Jeff is wired? Yeah. And we always need somebody else. We always need an external source. We don't have everything inside of us to make this thing work. We don't have everything inside of us to be great leaders. Even the greatest leaders had mentors. And uh, so for the past four years, just having Jeff, we've grown so much through the podcast, um, talking to leaders on the podcast and things like that. I feel like I got a, a, a master's course by creating this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know anything, but I'm talking to all these people who do, and in the process, I'm learning. So that's been – it's just been huge for me to be um, with Jeff for four years, his 13 years at this church and 25 years overall of ministry experience. And he's really pouring into me so that so that I can avoid a lot of the mistakes probably a lot of people make before they're 30. I still made plenty, um, but but an outside external source – any young pastor listening, I would say find find a mentor. You can't do That's it right. by yourself at all. Yeah.
1: yeah. And you know, it's interesting you mentioned isolation at the beginning. And I, I remember that. I mean, I came from law into ministry and I just remember that first year I kept people asking me, How's the transfer been? It's like, I really I really miss the firm. Like I just <laughs> I just miss having people I work with every day. And, you know, now we have a team, et cetera, et cetera. But we do live in an age where there are podcasts and, you know, you can do uh, video conferencing. Uh, on your phone for free. I mean, gosh, like there's almost no reason. And yet I think there's something human that leads us into isolation, which is good. Okay. Last question for you guys. What are some of the unique opportunities, let's focus on the positive, that you think small churches have that larger or mid-sized churches maybe don't have?
2: Well, we're already a small group, so that's (laughs) helpful. Because it's interesting, large churches spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to get people in smaller settings so that they can get to know each other and and grow together in a variety of ways. But in a small church, you don't have to do that. You're already a small church. And sometimes small churches spend all their time trying to figure out how to get bigger and don't look at what's right in front of them and things that they can already do. Like they can turn on a dime. They, right. can, they can address issues and situations in their neighborhoods, and their community. They can bring people in and give people opportunity to get experience and serve in areas that you wouldn't be able to do that in a larger church because you need a higher level of expertise to serve. But in a small church, you can get people involved and you can throw people in. And we all understand that we're learning and growing together. And so we've been able to, and honestly, somebody like Johnny, uh, would not have been able to step into a church of a thousand or more four years ago, but was able to step in our church. And he is extremely gifted, and mm-hmm. all those gifts have come out in the last three and a half years. And uh, you, you know, he gives me a run for my money every time he gets up on a Sunday morning to preach because he's really, really good. He's never taken a preaching course. Uh, you know, he's never he's never been in a homiletics class, but he's just really. Really gifted That's in great. communication, and our small church has given him the opportunity to develop that where in a larger church you wouldn 't be able to that 's a
1: really good point i mean we 're struggling with that now, developing communicators because there 's a certain expectation level in in a church our size and with our level of communication that like you know your first message ought to be a great one, and right. so we have student ministry and other forums, but we 're trying to solve that one right now too, because you know, the, the bar is relatively high and I agree leadership development. You can give lots of opportunities behind the scenes, but the public development part can become more challenging the larger the church gets.
0: I think, I think one of the best things about small churches, and this is something, again, as I've stumbled into this passion for small churches, I've realized, you know, we did a graduation Sunday in May and Jeff, uh, I was I was on sabbatical because my son had just been born, and and Jeff was going to do the handing out of the Bibles, and he got these really nice, you know, monogram. When I get Bibles, you know, I get some I get nice Bibles, but do get some monograms, right? Gold lettering and all this. <laughs> and he's got these Bibles, and I said, Jeff, why are you going so big on the Bibles? The the reason is because when he got to this church, those kids were like three years old, hmm. and he he saw them get potty trained, <laughs> and then go to elementary school, and then go to middle school, and now graduate high school. He loves those kids, and uh, he knows them personally. He knows their boyfriends' and girlfriends' names. He knows their cousins' and uncles' names. And he he has a relationship with them that endures in a way that, you know, large churches have all these great things going on, but, you know, you don't know most of the students in your church in the way that Jeff gets to know the students in our church. That's just the way that it is. And I think that that makes a difference long-term for them as far as their – their relationship with the church yep. and their relationship with, with God, really, um, because they learned and saw a guy like Jeff for 13 years just love a church and care for them and give them you know, gold-lettered monogram Bibles. Cool. Uh, and it's just, it's just a cool thing to see.
1: And small churches, I think, have a cool opportunity with people in that kind of way. Okay, I want to give you one more opportunity. Uh, small church leaders who are listening right now who just feel discouraged You've got one thing to say to them. What is it as we wrap up?
2: You need to find relationships. You need to find people that will build into you. Uh, to, to just sit by yourself and to think that it's always going to be the way it is now is a recipe for failure and just continued failure. You need people to build into you and you need to find relationships. And honestly, um, if you need them bad enough, you're going to find them and you can find them Uh, today with social media and with the ability to communicate on the internet, you can find relationships. And we always say on our podcast, when we have those kinds of messages to share, Hey, Jeff at 200churches.com or Johnny at 200churches.com. We'll talk to you. If nobody else will, <laughs> yeah. we'll talk to you. And, uh, you know, there's, pod, there's our podcast. There's your podcast. Uh, there are other really good podcasts. There are Facebook groups. There are, there's a group of pastors in your area. You know, start a group, create a group, or join one. Just go out there because you know what? There are other pastors out there just like you just like you who are lonely and they need somebody. Love it. Love it. Johnny, what would you say?
0: I'd say small is an opportunity, not a problem. And if, if you're discouraged by the size of your church, instead, it's time to start to look at it as a positive. And how can you leverage, like you said, Carrie, how can you leverage who you are as a church, the strengths of your church, the size of your church for the kingdom of God? I think one of the most powerful emails we ever got was somebody who said, I was on the verge of leaving the ministry. I was in a small church. It was staying small. I was so discouraged, so burned out. I was on the verge of leaving ministry. Then I found your podcast. I don't, We don't even deserve that kind of like – because not that good of a podcast. But I mean that for him, just knowing that we were out there – making this and saying you're important and what you're doing, that was enough to keep him going. So small is an opportunity, not a problem. That's what Love I would it. say.
1: Love yeah. it. You guys have encouraged a lot of leaders today. And I just want to thank you for what you do. Thanks that you're looking beyond just the windows of Dover Church into you know the wider community of church leaders. And uh, this is awesome. So uh, obviously, we'll have a lot of links in the show notes. Uh, this was a rich episode for that. Um, but where can listeners learn more and where can they find you?
2: Well 200churches.com is our website uh, on any podcatcher that you have on your phone. The 200 Churches podcast, Uh, we're up to over 180 episodes at this point. So there's just a ton of encouragement out there. And uh, we're looking to start, we're looking to go a little bit further uh, for for pastors who want to. Uh, We're not really ready to talk about that yet because it's something that we've been working on. Uh, But the best way to be on the ground floor of that is to just uh, subscribe at 200churches.com and you'll get all of our information and that'd be great. That's great.
1: Jeff, Johnny, thanks so much, guys. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Well, such a great conversation with Jeff and with Johnny. And I mean, those guys are a lot of fun, too. So you want to make sure that you check them out at 200churches.com. All the links are in the show notes at carrynewhoff.com slash episode 99. That's right. So that means next week, the Facebook giveaway. Make sure you uh, click, go to the show notes, carrynewhoff.com slash episode 99 to figure out how to bump. Uh, my posts up in your newsfeed so that you don't miss out on the contest every day for a week, giving away free Starbucks just to thank you because I honestly, sincerely so appreciate what you do. And so uh, I'm going to celebrate 100 by giving something over to you guys. Thanks so much for making this awesome. Thanks for the ratings, reviews. If you found this episode helpful, make sure you share it with your friends and you can do that um, just through social media. So that's great. Next week for episode 100, it's Peyton Jones who talks about how to do evangelism in a changing culture. He's got, I don't think I've ever had a podcast guest who's been physically beat up. Um, He has been for, for sharing the gospel. It's amazing. He's got some fascinating stories. Great guy. You don't want to miss it. Make sure you don't miss the giveaway either. We'll see you then. Hey, if you subscribe to this thing for free, guess what? You won't miss a thing. Make sure you do that. Go to your podcast provider right now. Hit subscribe. We'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks so much. Hope our time together has helped you lead like never before.